Glory to glory to glory to God. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for tuning in to another broadcast of Get Your House in Order, uh, Internet Radio Ministry. I'm your host, Timothy Aaron. Hopefully you have enjoyed uh, the teaching so far on this broadcast. Um, my, it's my goal to try to keep it Bible and teach the truth. I know a lot of people claim they do that, but they don't. And I don't want to be one of those people. So that's why I try to humble myself and use the words. I try to make sure I keep it 100% Bible. Because we've got to respect the power of Satan and his ability to deceive. Amen. So keep it humble and say stuff like, I try. I try. I try my best to keep it Bible. I try to take me out of it. I try to take culture out of it, tradition out of it, uh, worldly standards out of it, and keep it 100% Bible. Amen. Okay, before we get started, uh, I always like to open up the show with an invitation to accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. About 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to the earth with a primary goal in mind. And that goal was to redeem man back to God, to save man from his sins. So uh, during about a three and a half year ministry, <clears throat> Jesus made a bunch of enemies and his enemies finally came, uh, closed in on him. Kind of like what's going to happen at the end with the two witnesses. Yeah, it's a mirror image, actually. But anyway, his enemies closed in on him, falsely accused him, got him arrested. And uh, they they put handcuffs on him. They put him in prison. They spit on him. The Bible says some even punched him, slapped him, mocked him. And then they eventually nailed him to a cross, <clears throat> nailed his hands and his feet to a cross, placed a crown of thorns on his head till blood came running down his face. And this was a totally innocent man. They hung him on his cross till he died. And in his death, he was able to redeem man back to God. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10 and 9, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, why don't you make the choice? Repent of your sins and declare Jesus that he is Lord of your life and that this, from this day forward, you're going to, you're going to pursue him and, and seek his ways and learn his ways, his laws, his judgments by studying his word. That's what makes you saved. Just believe that he is the son of God and that he was raised from the dead and you just making Lord of your life. Amen. Hopefully you have made that choice. Hopefully you have accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and savior. If you did, you have made the best choice you will ever make. Amen. Okay. This is July the 28th, 2018. And, um, uh, the title of this show's broadcast would be 
Hollywood takes a page from Revelation. Hollywood takes a page from Revelation. Uh, Revelations is a hard to understand book. And I must admit for many years, uh, I enjoyed um, getting understanding out of the first 65 books of the Bible. But I just kind of left Revelations alone because when I would try to go to it, it just didn't make a lot of sense. Didn't know what was going on. And, um, And it might be that God intended it to be that way. You know, the angel spoke to Daniel and he told Daniel, it's not meant for you to understand this stuff yet. He just told him he was seeing things that he couldn't understand. And Daniel would ask the angel and the angel would just tell him, it's not meant for you to understand this stuff now. And uh, so I believe as we get closer and closer to the end times, the Holy Spirit will begin to unravel the mysteries of this book more and more and more. And I think that was the big mistake of uh, some of our former ministries in the early 1900s and the middle 1900s. They attempted to try to make sense of the book of Revelations and they made a big mess of things, forcing, forcing their opinion on the book and forcing their interpretation on the on the on the mysteries of the prophecies that were, were not meant to be unlocked at that time. So, um, and unfortunately, a lot of those ministries passed their interpretations to their students and then their students to their students and so forth and so on. And, and some people still to this day hold on to a lot of teachings that do not agree with the prophecies of the book of Revelations. So, we always got to remember to, to to stay humble so that the Holy Spirit can work with us because uh, God does not like proudness, pride. And uh, we get caught up in pride. We will shit out the Holy Ghost. OK, Hollywood takes a page from Revelations. I want to explain what uh, what I'm talking about there. Um, in my study of the book of revelations, I begin, I think I believe, I believe I have discovered something that John does, uh, that we're going to, we're going to look at here in a little bit. And I think it's a primary, one of the primary reasons there's not just one primary reason, but I think it's one of the primary reasons why a lot of, of, uh, our ministries, some of our older ministries and some of our ministries today teach a pre-tribulation rapture because they didn't understand this principle of the book of Revelations and how John's visions and his uh, and, and what he saw in his prophecies and how he wrote them down. They didn't understand it and they didn't understand how it worked and how it was laid out. And I'm going to attempt to explain that here in a little bit, but because they didn't understand, they taught things. Uh, they tried to fill in the gaps and fill in the blanks that came with a pre-tribulation rapture. They really just don't fit the scripture. It don't fit the scripture at all. Uh, and they're forcing it. They keep forcing it. They keep forcing it. And I, and I believe pride has set in to the place where they would not repent of it. 
no matter what evidence you show, even as we get closer and closer to the end time and the Holy Spirit is starting to unveil the balance and the truth of the book of Revelation, they still hold on to their pre-trib position because pride is set in now. And that's unfortunate. But anyway, um, I say Hollywood takes a page from Revelations because John, let's talk about John and his visions. You know, John will tell us the end part of his vision at the beginning of a chapter, then jump back and tell us the events that led up to the end. He does this on more than one occasion throughout the book of Revelation. And it's important for you to understand that. He, he uh, tells us at the beginning of the chapter, the end of the story. Okay. And then somewhere in the middle of the chapter, then he jumps back and tells us the events that led up to what he already told us, which was the ending. Right. We see this a lot in Hollywood. <laughs> Hollywood has taken the page from the book of Revelation. Um, one movie comes to mind that does this in Hollywood is Pulp Fiction. You know, back in the 90s, uh, it was a movie that was real popular called Pulp Fiction. And I don't know if you're familiar with this movie or not, but at the beginning of the movie, it was really the end of the story. You know, uh, John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson are sitting in this diner, you know, eating. And then this man tries to rob the place. And then the, the I believe the screen freezes. And then it says sometime back, you know, at the end on the screen, a year prior or a year, a year ago or or whatever. And then the then the next hour and a half of the movie shows the events that led up to that opening scene. OK, I hope you follow me there, you know, and so that makes for a very interesting, fun movie experience, you know, following it that way. Um, another television show does this and they don't come on no more, at least in, in my region. It might come on somewhere else and throughout the country, but there was this TNT uh, series called Southland. Um, Southland was a TV series uh, that showed the life of a Los Angeles police department and what they went through. And it just like Pulp Fiction did the same thing every show. It was an hour long show. And at the beginning of the show was the end of the story. So about the first eight to 10 minutes of the show was the end of the story. And then after 10 minutes into watching it on the middle of the screen, it would say uh, one week earlier or two weeks earlier or 48 hours earlier, it would jump back in time and show you the events that led up to that opening scene. You know, it's pretty, pretty crafty, you know, experience to, to watch that uh, take place on, on TV. So 
a lot of uh, people in Hollywood would do this. Uh, now, a lot of movies do this, too. Star Wars do this. Uh, you follow the Star Wars movies, uh, you will find that uh, in uh, 1999, they came out <clears throat> with Star Wars, The Phantom Menace. And come to find out, that was a prequel, what they call a prequel, to the 1977 opening of Star Wars. So they had some stuff that they wanted you to see that took place even before the 1977 version. So you see what I'm getting at. Hollywood is taking a place out of Revelation, taking a page out of out of the book of Revelations by doing this because John, he was doing this way back in 90 AD on the island of Patmos with his visions. <laughs> so, so Hollywood hey, is not the creator of this art form. John, John was doing it back then. Okay. So let's look at some examples in the book of revelations, um, that does this. We're going to look at John, uh, no, at revelations chapter 14 for starters. Okay. Now I'm just going to break it down on how this works. In revelations chapter 14, John opens up, once again, uh, with pretty much the end of this particular story that he's talking about. And uh, this is verses one through five, Revelations 14, one through five. And then starting um, with verse six, he jumps back into time and lets us in on the events that led up to what he had already spoken of in verses one through five. And he kind of does it twice in this chapter because he does it also in verses eight through 11. Um, Well, verses eight through chapter 20, he jumps back into time, let us know the events that led up to verses one through five. So I gave you the outline. Let's go ahead and read that entire chapter. It's early in the show, so we got time. And I'm a and I'm a kind of fill in the blanks as we go along. Okay. Revelation chapter 14. We're gonna go ahead and read the whole chapter starting at verse one. And uh, John says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on on the Mount Zion. Okay. And with him, 144,000 having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, uh, a voice from, as, the, as the voice of many waters and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man, and no man, could learn that song, but the 144,000, which were redeemed from the earth. Okay. Now it mentioned the 24 elders and the four beasts, and you can find out more about them in Revelations chapter four and five. Okay. It explains who they are. They are, they are holy beings in heaven. Okay. Verse four, these are they, which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the lamb 
whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne. Now, this first, the verses one through five, this is the setting of celebration in, in the New Jerusalem. Okay, so this is after uh, the Great Tribulation. This is after the Battle of Armageddon. This is after the wrath of God. This is the celebration in heaven. Okay. So like I said, this is pretty much the end of this particular story. The, the first five verses. And he says, and in their mouth was found no guile. Verse five. And they were without fault before the throne. Okay, and then starting with verse six, okay, he says, and I saw another angel and I saw, I want you to remember that phrase and I saw right there and I saw, okay, another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel preached unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people verse seven saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the four, for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen is fallen. That great city, because she made all the nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Verse nine, and the third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, if any man worships the beast and his image and have received his mark in their forehead or his hand, <clears throat> the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into a cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb. And the smoke of their torment, torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image. Whosoever re receiveth the mark of his name. Okay. And I'm going to stop right there. So now we just read... <clears throat> where John has jumped back into time to show us the events that led up to verses one through five, just like these movies do. That's what John is doing right here. He has jumped, jumped back into time and showed us the events that have, that are leading up to verses one through five. Okay. Now this setting <clears throat> verses six through 11, this is, at the tip end of the Great Tribulation time period, uh, where the Antichrist has pushed the people of God into a corner, and uh, and 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 the people of God are knowing that any minute now, you know, the Second Coming is about to take place. That's where we are now with verses six 
through 11. Okay. Now verses 12 and 13 are, is uh, comments that are, that the angels are making to John. So I'm going to skip those two and I'm going to 14 and it says, and I looked. Okay. Now here we go. And I looked, I want to stop right there. Remember that. And I looked. Now let's go back up to verse six, how he opened up verse six. And he says, and I saw, he says, I saw in verse six. And then in verse 14, he says, and I looked. Okay. And I looked and behold a white cloud and upon the cloud, one set on like the son of man, having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. Okay. Verse 15. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the cloud, thrust in thy sickle and reap for the time is come for thee to reap for the harvest of the earth is ripe. Okay. Verse 16. And he that sat on the cloud thrusted in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Verse 17. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out, out from the altar, which had power over fire, and cried with a loud voice. Well, and cried to him that sat on the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are full and ripe, are fully ripe. And then verse 19, and the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vines of the, of the vine of the earth and cast it into a great wine press of the wrath of God. And the wine press was trodden without the city. And blood came out of the wine press, even unto the horse's bridle by the space of a, of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Okay. Now, I noticed that every time John is about to jump back into time, he says, and, and I saw, you know, in verse 14, he says, and I looked. Okay. Um, in uh, verse six, he says, and I saw, and he does this in other places too, but this is his way of saying sometime earlier, like Hollywood would do. When Hollywood does this, when they get to that point where they about to jump back in time, Hollywood puts on the screen, you know, one year ago or two weeks earlier or 48 hours ago or are five years earlier, you know, that's what they do to let you know so you can keep up with what's going on. Well, I think this is John's way of doing that because he would say, and I saw, and I looked, or I beheld. And that's his way of letting you know he's about to jump back and show you the events that led up to what he already wrote. Okay. See, the people of of, of, of the early 1900s and the late 1800s that tried to interpret this book did not come close to even understanding this, this key, you know, and this is a, this is a key to understanding the book of revelations. Definitely. So, uh, let's keep on going here. So let me explain 
what um, verses 14 and through the end of the chapter reflect. Verses 14 through 20 reflects what John was able to see in the heavens taking place while verses 6 through uh, 11 was taking place. So he jumps back twice in the time and he shows you the ground view and then in verses 6 through 11 and then in verses 14 through 20, he jumps back in time and shows you the area view, the space view. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is awesome. This is an awesome book, an awesome chapter. And um, <clears throat> so that's what's happening here. And so when you understand, when you understand this key, then you're able to follow this chapter and get complete understanding. OK. So the, this is the area of you verses 14 through 20 of the, the very tip in of the Great Tribulation where the Antichrist is about to go to battle against Jesus at the great battle of Armageddon and, he, and he's going to lose. Okay. And um, Jesus sticks in his sickle and he raptures the church. Okay. Um, now, if you follow this ministry, you know, the rapture takes place at the, at the end immediately after, after the, the tribulation of those days, Matthew chapter 24. Okay. The tribulation take the, the rapture takes place at the end of the tribulation. Jesus raptures his church. Okay. And then this other angel snatches some sinful people out of the earth, full of wickedness and full of full of evil. Not out of the earth, but he snatches them and he takes them to a designated place. And this is what we read in, in Revelation. I mean in uh, Luke chapter 17. When one is taken and the other one left, one is taken and the other one left. In Luke chapter 17, it says two men would be lying in one bed. One will be taken. This is that sharp sickle that we are seeing here in Revelations chapter 14. One would be taken where to this great wine press, this wine press where wicked people are going to be butchered you know, uh, tortured, uh, attacked in all sorts of terrible ways. And they're going to bleed and uh, they're going to be fed upon by, by the fowls of the air. And that's what this is talking about. The, the wine press of the wrath of God. And, uh, so one will be taken and the other one left. One will be taken. Now, a lot of a lot of people used to mistake this for the rapture. This is not the rapture. One would be taken and the other left. Um, the, these two that were in one bed, these two men in, in Luke chapter 17, towards the end of the chapter, these two men that were in one bed is talking about homosexuality people. And so they both are going to be judged and they're both are wicked men. Now, one is going to be taken and they're going to be dealt with terribly at the great at the great wine press of the wrath of God. OK, and the other one is going to be left. Is going to be left to be made a slave on the earth for a thousand years, according to 
Daniel chapter 7. It says the rest of the beast in Daniel chapter 7, his life is going to be prolonged for a season and a time. So that's really a thousand and one years. The season is a thousand years and the time is one year. That's what it says in um, Daniel chapter 7. So now that also gives us insight on how long Satan is going to be loosed out of the bottomless pit because after a thousand years is up, according to Revelations chapter 20, Satan is going to be loosed out of his pit after the thousand years is up for a short time. Well, according to Daniel, it says a season and a time. We know a time in Daniel is one year. So Satan is going to have one year out of that pit. And in that one year, he's going to gather up those wicked people that were not taken to the wine press of the wrath of God, but were made slaves on the earth for that thousand years. They're going to be bitter. They're going to be angry and they're going to go after Satan easily because they don't have no hope. These are wicked people. Thousand years of hard labor, slavery. We, they, they, these were people that were ruled over with a rod of iron from Jesus and his followers. Okay. So they're going to be bitter. And when Satan is loosed for that one year, he's going to gather these people up to make war against that great city, New Jerusalem, where the people of God are and where Christ is. And then that's, this is the battle uh, of Gog and Magog. Okay. Now, before the thousand years, the battle of Armageddon took place. After the thousand years, you're going to have the battle of Gog and Magog. Okay. So, I wanted to kind of give you as much information on this whole topic as I could there. So let's look at another chapter. I hope you found that chapter very, very good and interesting and enlightening. And, uh, you know, in the, this teaching, like I said, we try to do our best to bring you the word of God, even in a prophetic way. You know, God has hidden his truth and his prophecies from the wicked, but he has revealed them unto babes. You know, I believe, uh, it says something like that in um, Matthew chapter 11. You know, he said he has hid. He has hid his truth from the wise and from the prudent, but he has revealed them unto babes. You know, so that's how his prophecy is. You got to got to remain humble and you can't you can't resist truth. When God brings truth your way, if it goes against your tradition, if it goes against your culture, if it goes against your ethics, you cannot afford to rebuke it because it goes against those things. You always got to make sure that the word of God is priority in your life and you got to allow the word of God to be number one. So when the Holy Spirit brings you truth, you, you take it and then you make everything else submit to it. You don't make the word of God submit to your traditions and to your cultures and, and customs and so forth. That's not how you do. If you do that, you will offend the Holy ghost. You will quench the spirit. And then the Holy ghost will quit bringing you truth because the Holy ghost don't like being offended. 
Okay, let's look at another example here. Let me go back to my notes. And um, let's look. Oh, what? <clears throat> oh, yeah, back to the sharp sickle. We see in Revelation chapter 14, you know, Jesus is sitting on a white cloud and he sticks in his sharp sickle first. And then he reaps. And then we see where another angel sticks in his sharp sickle and he gathers the grapes and he takes them to the wine press. Okay. So, like I said, the first sickle that Jesus had was the rapture. He raptured his church. And then we saw this second angel sticking his sickle and then he, he, he um, snatched some wicked, fully ripe grapes, as the Bible put it, okay? Be, to be taken to a wine press that was the wine press of the wrath of God. <clears throat> now, a side note here I have, I might as well go ahead and read it. It's Matthew chapter 13, verse 30. Now, this is a parable that, that Jesus gave where he's talking about <clears throat> a farmer having a farmland and how he grew some crops and how enemy sold weeds or tares in his field along with the wheat. Okay. And how it caused problems. But I'm just going to go ahead and read now verse 30, Matthew 13, 30. He said, let both grow together. Let the wheat and the tares grow together until harvest time. Okay. And in the time of Harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares. Wow. Gather ye first together the tares and bind them in bundles to be burnt, to burn them. But gather the wheat unto my barns. Okay. So <clears throat> this is kind of a good parallel verse of scripture that goes along with Revelations chapter 14 uh, start uh, where, where it talks about Jesus sticking in his sickle and then the angel after him sticking in his sickle. But there is a, there is something that is very interesting that we need to address. It says, it says, gather ye together first the tares. Now, when you read Revelation, it looks like he gathered the tares last. So what's going on here? I'm glad you asked. Now, what I have come to understand and what a lot of people don't really realize. Okay, we let me give you the rundown here. In the final seven years, okay, at the beginning of the final seven, seven years, you're going to have the time of the church, the two witnesses, great revival for three and a half years. Okay. When that time is up, the two witnesses are going to be murdered by Satan himself, probably in some fleshly form. But Satan himself is going to murder the two witnesses. And then the Satan is going to put on the stage the Antichrist. And then the Antichrist is going to start the Great Tribulation time period, which is a three and a half year period as well. OK, Great Tribulation. And then, and then at the end of the Great Tribulation. Now, this is what I believe is talking about here when he says he's going to. 
He says, at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares. Okay, what I believe is he is talking about here is the church, the wicked church, the wicked church. Um, I believe it was Paul that says judgment must first take place at the house of God. Didn't Paul say that? Oh, and I can't remember where he said that. I'm going to have to look that up for next time. But he said judgment must first take place at the house of God. See what's happening here. What's going to happen at the end times? Now, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I believe that Rome, Italy, the Vatican, is going to be that corrupt church that the Bible refers to as the great city Babylon. Okay, Babylon was full of idols back in the days of Daniel. Idols and idolatry, and it was a place of temptation for the people of God because the people of God were captives at Babylon, and, and, and it was full of idolatry and wealth and and there was a lot of temptation for uh, the, the Jews to go after the ways of the Babylonian Empire. OK, so <clears throat> with that being said, um, the, the church, the Vatican is going to be influenced by the Antichrist. And I believe the pope at that time will be the false prophet. OK, it's just that simple. And uh, this false prophet and the, and the Catholic Church are going to lead a lot of people down a dark path, thinking that they are following God, going to deceive many. OK, so this city, this church. Is going to be these weeds that uh, are going to be gathered together and going to be burnt first. Houseman must take place. Judgment must take place. At the house of God first, like Paul said, and that's what we see in here. Before that sharp sickle is stuck in by Jesus to rapture the church, we are going to see this great judgment fall on this harlot, this prostitute, this church of this time, which I believe is going to be the Vatican, the Catholic church and Protestant churches around the waters world as well, because as revelations, I believe, uh, chapter 17 puts it, uh, chapter seven, revelation chapter 17 calls, uh, Babylon. It calls her, her, the mother of harlots. Now, if you know anything about the Catholic church, the Protestant church came out of the Catholic church and the, and the Protestant church can be referenced to as the daughters of the Catholic church. A lot of people do reference the Catholic church as the mother church because they are the mother of the Protestant church. So they're going to be Protestant churches. that fall into this whoredom, harlot, prostitute category as well. Okay. So, but the Vatican is going to, be this great city, this great Babylon that Revelations chapter 17 and Revelations chapter 18 speaks on. Okay. And so that's what we see here in, in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to, the whole world is going to get to see judgment fall on this, this phony hypocrite church that has led people 
astray and that has deceived many people. Or as Revelations put it, this woman that has gotten drunk off of the blood of saints, okay, <clears throat> caused many people to lose. Judgment is going to fall on that church first. Then the rapture is going to take place. And then the battle of Armageddon and, and, and uh, the wrath of God. Okay. I hope you was able to follow me there. All right. And another 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 place where you see John jumping back in time to explain what he already wrote uh, is actually chapter 12, Revelations chapter 12. The whole chapter is a presetting of chapter 11. Yeah. Chapter 12 gives us a presetting of what takes what, what takes place in chapter 11. So if you read the book of Revelations, uh, try reading chapter 12 first and then go back and read chapter 11 and then it'll have a better flow. You see what's going on a little bit better. So these are those things that a lot of uh, ministries did not come close to understanding. This, this, uh, this key of understanding was not made available, you know, 50, 75, 100, 200 years ago. And um, so that's why a lot of this is why I believe a lot of ministries teach a pre-tribulation rapture because they think the Bible is they think Revelations is, is a book that is one continuous story, chapter by chapter. And it's nowhere near that at all. John jumps around in time back and forth and back and forth and back and forth so many times. And so it's more like a puzzle. The book of Revelations is more like a puzzle that you dump on the table and you piece it together. It's not a continuous chapter by chapter story at all. And this is why a lot of ministries teach a pre-tribulation rapture, because they just don't understand that it's not a chapter by chapter story. And that's what that's what misled them. OK, so hopefully, you know, uh, ministries will just have to begin to start teaching things accurately when it comes to the book of revelations, because it's really hurting a lot of people. Uh, cause, cause what's, what's going to happen is a lot of saints are not going to be prepared for the final seven years. They're not going to be prepared. Um, and, uh, they're going to, they're going to miss a lot of, uh, events because they are not looking in the right way. Okay. So let me, let me just go ahead and talk about, the post-trib rapture, right quick again. You know, I always base my argument, my position of the post-tribulation rapture on John chapter 6, starting at the 39th verse. John chapter 6, starting at the 39th verse. Let's go there right quick. Okay, now this is Jesus talking here. John chapter 6, 
And I'm going ahead and I'm going to read verses 39, 40, 44, and 54. Okay. And this is the Father's will which has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day, the last day. Okay. All that the father has given him, he's going to raise up again at the last day. Now, it's hard for me to understand why he would say this if he's going to raise some up seven years before the last day or some three and a half years before the last day. No, he says all. He says all that the father has given me. He should lose nothing. He's going to raise it up again at the last day. Verse 40. And this is the will of him to send me that everyone which seeth the son and believe on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up. When? Seven years before the last day? Three and a half years before the last day? No. At the last day. Okay, let's drop down to verse 44. Verse 44, no man can come to me except the father has sent me. Draw him. And I will raise him up when? At the last day. Let's go to verse 54. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up when? At the last day. Now, he never says nowhere else in Scripture that he's going to raise anybody up seven years before. Or he's going to raise some, some people up three and a half years before. He never mentions that at all. So this is the, the, the pre-trib rapture teaching is a very, very, very bad teaching. That's all it is. There's no way else, no, no other way of saying it. Okay. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, um, I believe uh, verse 29, he says immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give her light and the stars of heaven will fall. What is he describing there? He is describing the last day. The last day. The sun will be darkened and the moon will not give no more light and the stars of heaven will fall. That is the description of the last day. People of God. Now. John chapter six tells us on the last day. Jesus is going to raise all those that are his up. Those that are dead. And those that are alive, he's going to raise them all up to him at the last day. So now that's what first Thessalonians chapter four, verse 16 is talking about. The dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remain. We will be called up together to meet the Lord in the air. That's the last day. You're talking about the last day there. Okay. And that's what Jesus went on to say in Matthew chapter 24. He said he's going to send his angels to gather his elect from the four winds of the earth. On the last day, there is no 
pre-tribulation rapture, people. It's a bad teaching. Okay, so I, I just had to go there. And let me give you another example of Hollywood taking a page out of Revelations. Let's go to Revelations chapter 19. Revelations chapter 19. Now, I'm going to give you the breakdown here as well. This is very good stuff to me. I love this. Uh, Revelations chapter 19 verses 1 through 8 is a celebration in heaven. This is a post-rapture celebration in heaven. That's what these first eight verses are describing in John's vision. Revelations chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. The celebration is taking place in heaven. And then in verses 9 to 10, an angel stops and speaks with John. Okay? And then verses 11 through 21 jumps back in time to the Great Tribulation, the Battle of Armageddon, and the wrath of God. And these are all the events that led up to verses 1 through 8 in Revelations chapter 19. Okay? Let's go there. Let's read that. It's exciting, good stuff. Okay, verses 19, uh, chapter 19, excuse me, verse 1. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore. Now, remember the great whore I said is Babylon, which is going to be that false church. He has judged the great whore, which did, which did corrupt the earth with her fornications. Going to mislead a lot of people, this, this phony church. And hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. Okay. Uh, verse three. And again, they said, hallelujah. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, hallelujah. Now, once again, the twenty-four elders and the four beasts, they are heavenly members that we read about early in the book of Revelations at the fourth and fifth chapter. Okay. Ver uh, uh, Matthew, uh, Revelations 19 and 5. And a voice came out of the throne saying, praise our God, all ye, all ye his servants and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were a voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thundering saying, hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Verse seven, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Okay, so this is a celebration in heaven. This is after everything is over and done. And this is a celebrating in heaven. Now, like I said, verse 9 and 10, the angel's talking to John, and I'm going to go down to verse 11. And what does he say in verse 11 that I mentioned in, ver in chapter 14? 
In verse 11, he says, and I saw. Wow. There he go again. When he says, and I saw, that's when it seems like he's jumping back in time. He's putting on the middle of the screen. Um, what? Uh, one year ago or 30 days ago or a month ago. That's what's happening right here. He's jumping back in time. Verse 11. And I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true and righteous. He doeth judge and make war. OK. His eyes were a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood. And his name was called the word of God. OK. And the armies which were with him uh, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. OK. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. That with it, he should smite the nations and he should rule them with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the, of the fierceness of the wrath of almighty God. Okay. <laughs> wow. So you get the picture here. You could go on. He goes on and he gets the Antichrist and the false prophet and cast them into the lake of fire. And um and then he uh takes a bunch of evil people and and he takes them into this wine press and he calls the fowls of the air and they feed on the flesh of many rich and poor and all types of wicked people at this that this great snatching of evil people. Okay. So, um, I hope, I hope you're able to follow this here. I mean, this is really good stuff. You know, these final verses, you know, after, uh, I guess it's verse, uh, 11, 11 through 21. These are the events that led up to verses one through eight. Okay. So, if you read verse, if you start the chapter by reading verse 11 and read all the way down to 21 and then go back and read verses one through eight, it would be a continuous story. <laughs> OK, that's how that works. <laughs> Good stuff here. Um, I had got some questions that I was supposed to answer and um, kind of got it late, but I'm going to attempt to answer some of them right here by email. OK. And let's uh, see if I can take a quick look at some of these questions and get them answered here. Uh, and it's talking about the rapture here. First question, it says, if the rapture is going to be a pre-tribulation event, then it would have to uh, be uh, newly saved people who would go, who would undergo persecution during the great tribulation. How could they be saved without the power of the Holy Ghost? Good question. Okay. If we are removed because the Holy Spirit who indwells us is removed, how is that the Holy Spirit will be here? How is it that the Holy Spirit Spirit will be here to indwell those who are saved after the rapture? That's another good question. How could the Holy Spirit empower them to resist the mark of the beast. I mean, these are all excellent questions, and I kind of got a good idea of where these questions are coming from. 
um, how could they have the strength to do anything good? How could the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, comfort them if he's taken out of the way? What would give them the ability to understand the word? Okay, I'm going to stop right there on those questions because all, all those questions kind of come from the same place. And it goes to Second Samuel. No, no, actually, excuse me. It goes to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Um, a lot of pre-trib teachers teach that this chapter teaches that the Holy Spirit is going to be taken out. Uh, and that's the rapture so to speak. And then the great tribulation and the antichrist is going to come into power. And that's a bad teaching. You know, that's guesswork first of all, because there's no really interpret scripture by scripture there. It's just guesswork, you know, and uh, that's a terrible thing to do when it comes to scripture to guess a scripture means this or to guess a scripture means that. So let's go to second Thessalonians right quick. Cause I'm about out of time. But Second Thessalonians, and we're going to start at the first verse and just read down, I believe, to like the eighth verse. So we ain't got a lot of reading to do. Um, it says, Paul's talking here. He says, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Now he's saying, don't be all nervous and a nervous wreck because of the second coming of Jesus Christ and raptures. He said, don't, don't be nervous about it. He said, let no man deceive you. I'm at verse three. Let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there be a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition talking about the antichrist who opposes and exalted himself above all that is called God, okay, uh, or that is worshipped, so that he is God sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know uh, what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time in his time. Okay. So, you know, that what withholdeth might be revealed in his time. All right. Verse seven, the mystery of iniquity doeth work already. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way first. Now, people teach this verse seven is talking about the Holy Ghost. It's going to be taken out of the way first. Now, that's not what it's saying there to me. Now, I always like to interpret scripture by scripture. It says, for the mystery of iniquity doeth work already. The sin always already was in the world uh, since the fall of man back in the garden. Okay. He says, only he who now letteth will let. Now, the he that will now let is the angel of time. He said it earlier in. Um, he said it earlier in um, verse six, verse six says, and now, ye know, what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. 
See, in Revelations chapter 12, I believe the woman that gives birth, she is an angel of time. She's pregnant with the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's, that's who the child is. It's the appointed time of Christ, the second coming of Jesus. 